Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We're estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven people who are killing it in life. They deserve to be celebrated, and on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and in between our interview episodes, we'll have Beauty School, where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and learning more about one another, because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun, and we have a super multicultural community, and we kind of think that you might too. So, why not talk about all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Plus, we'll be answering listener questions, so be sure to write us at truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the show. Oh, hey, guys. Hey. (laughs) Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. It's Elizabeth. And Alex. And we are so excited to be back here with you guys. Well, okay, first, I'm really sorry. We took a fucking vacation and didn't tell y'all about it. We just left. Bitches. Right? Last week, I bet y'all came on and you were like, wait a second, why is there, but there's no episode. Two weeks ago, I should say. So I want to apologize for not giving you guys the heads up. Things have been fucking bananas here. And even though we had all of our episodes ready and all that stuff, we forgot to tell the most important people, and that's you. So sorry. Sorry, guys. But we're back, and we have so much to tell you guys about. We have – okay, first, before I even get into that, I got to ask y'all a favor. It's kind of a big one, but not really. (sighs) We love you guys. We love you. We think you're all just so great. We think you guys are fucking fantastic. It seems like you guys like us also. I could tell because of the downloads. I could tell because you guys be writing us letters. You be DMing us. And I die for each and every one of them. I love them so, so much. But we have some haters on the internets. And I would personally be so, so, so grateful if we have helped you guys at all, if you've told your cousin about us, if you told your mama, if we made you laugh, would you just go and like write a little review, please? Five stars would be fantastic. I guess I'll take a four star, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'll just appreciate (laughs) you writing something nice about us. That would be fab. It would be so, so nice. And I know you guys like us. You tell us all the time. We just want the rest of the world to know. <laughs> it really, really helps us, and it doesn't take much time at all. Yes, and that's how we We're not asking in. for money. It's free. It's free. It's free. I just need, like, five minutes of your time. What's that cost these days? <laughs> so we'd really appreciate that. So that's the first thing. That's the first begging that I need to do. The second thing is we heard you guys. You guys have been asking us. So many questions about your bodies. My face looks fly. Thank you so much. What about my cuerpo? So, <laughs> so um, we had this awesome idea to finish out the end of this year with what we are calling the Body Care Chronicles. It's going to be great. It's going to be fucking great. So essentially, Alex and I started to talk about, you know, the body in general. And we... 
you know, are really serious about creating an inclusive beauty community. And so to really double down on that effort, we started to think like if we were going to talk about the body, there's so many bodies that don't look like ours. And what would that look like if we were to be truly inclusive? And so we realized that that would look like trans bodies, that would look like pregnant bodies, that would look like postnatal bodies, that would look like, yeah, yeah right? Postpartum. Postpartum. Right. You had your baby. Sorry. Back to you. Those bodies. <laughs> Clearly, we need to work on this. Right. We're work guys. We're trying. We realized it would look like, you know, bodies that are in hormone flux. Anyway, we just realized that there's so many different types of bodies and there's no way that this is something that we could possibly try to cover under one episode. So we're going to go from August, September through December. Each month, we're going to be focusing on a different type of the body or a different aspect of the body. We're going to be bringing in, we've found like the world's best specialists on these things. Like we found the best trans doctor, dermatologist that works on people on trans skin, but also just works with, you know, fat deposits and changing the body, not just your face, but changing like the actual physique of your body and what different things trans people need to know that are going through, you know, these huge changes that Alex and I might not necessarily know because it's not something that we, you know, specialize in. We're bringing back our girl Trina, Dr. Trina Ebersole, mm-hmm. the beautiful plastic surgeon. She specializes in facial aesthetics. We're bringing her in to talk about... Well, about anything, but we just found out she had a baby. So we're going to ask her some questions about that, about what happens to your body after you have a baby. We're just going to be talking about it all. That's what we're going to be doing. We just wanted to say that to you because we really would love to get questions from you guys. We want to... We want to talk about caring for your body, but not in the traditional sense of like, you need to be thin to be healthy. You need to be tan to look I don't know just a weird shit that we've been all of the that's lies been ingrained that, into us totally all the lies that we've been told all of these years we're trying to bust mm-hmm. them up and we know that there are incredible people that are out talking about like you know fat and we'll talk about skins and uh, the body skins. The, the skin on the body totally we just know that we are serious about making a multicultural inclusive beauty community and we want to try to reach all of you and not all of you guys look like us that's cool but there are people that we can bring on that can reach you and that can speak to your specific needs and we just are really 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 fucking excited about this series I'm so excited really excited so the first couple of weeks like I mentioned we're going to have Dr. McGregor, who is from Union Derm, she's literally the top doctor specializing. I know, I'm so excited too. She's a top dermatologist in New York City that specializes in trans skin and body. We're going to have Dr. Trina Ebersole as well. She's um, our plastic surgeon. We're going to have a fitness and nutrition specialist. We have Liz Lowe, who is a listener, and she um, is a fitness expert, and she also just launched her app. We are going to have an incredible nutritionist, dietitian on. We're just so excited. So send us your questions. If you guys have any questions about any of those things that I just mentioned, please send us your questions to truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. We're doing this for you. We want you guys to tell us what you want to hear because that's how we make great episodes. Yes. Okay, so enough about that. Let's talk about this week's episode, guys. Today, we are speaking with Melissa Kigua. She is the CEO and founder of Obange, which is a company that 
lends out jewelry to the members. So it's a jewelry, luxury jewelry subscription subscription service. So you pay monthly, and you, based on which membership you get, you get nice fucking jewelry, beautiful luxury. Dior, Yves Saint Laurent. That you may not be able to afford otherwise. Or you're just trying not to produce more shit in the world. A hundred percent. But even more so, what I loved about this conversation. First of all, Melissa is a fucking badass. Badass. Smart as fuck. She got her master's degree from the London School of Economics. She worked as a radio personality. She worked in journalism. She worked in Hollywood. She has just had her hand in so many incredible things. Also, she's a great radio voice. It makes so much sense. She, you're gonna love listening to her voice. I know you're gonna be like these bitches are coming in again, ruining like, like this. Sounds beautiful, so annoying. I, I talk she, like this. I know she has a beautiful, beautiful radio voice. But she also just really speaks today about power, about how we as women can hold power, how we can use our power, the different types of power that we have, how her mission is to make women feel powerful and also to empower women. Part of her business is doing crowdfunding, but instead of just traditional crowdfunding, they do crowd sourcing for... It's so smart. Investing. So basically, instead of just donating the money... You are investing the money. You're investing into her company. So you're going to be a part owner of the company and get shares and dividends when they go public. Genius. Fucking cool. So you're going to walk around looking like money. You're going to be making money. Kind of like the best thing ever. It's kind of the best thing. Also, it sounds like a good, easy way to get into investing if you're not really familiar with it. Yes. And it's a good, easy way to just... you don't have to spend the money to do it? A hundred percent. Or if you don't really know much about who you're investing in or what you're investing in, at least you know for $100, here's this badass woman that I heard her incredible story on this podcast and I believe in her and her mission. So, girl, mm-hmm. let's go. She'll talk more about it in the episode. It's interesting. Yes, very, very interesting. I just really loved talking to her. She was so smart. I learned a lot, so I know everyone else will learn a lot. And she's had a cool life. She's done some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like where she is now. I know. I think I it's a great too. business idea. And... um Yeah, I think you guys will learn a lot from her. I think so, too. So, guys, without further ado, enjoy our conversation with today's guest, Melissa Kigua. But also, don't forget about the Body Care Chronicles. That's coming at you starting next week. Please, please, please send us your questions. Share this with your friends who might have different bodies than you, different everything, so that we can really get our, you know, inclusive beauty community rocking and rolling. We need to hear from all of you guys. Yay. All right, guys. Enjoy our episode with Melissa. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa Kikua, and I am the founder and CEO of Obange, which is a luxury startup. You can borrow high-end designer jewelry for a monthly membership. We're really trying to democratize luxury, but also practice conscious consumerism. Aside from that, my background before I became an entrepreneur, I worked in the media industry, both as a journalist, but also in Hollywood. 
and um, I'm a writer and I host a podcast and, and all the things, right? Yes. All, as I, I feel like as, um, as women living at this particular time and space, we just need to express ourselves in all the way possible. I you know. know. Well, it takes, it, it takes doing so many things these days to be known, right? Like it's very few of us who can just do one thing and be known on a wide scale. So you have to contain multitudes sort of these days. Yeah, which is which I feel like is both unfair, but also exciting, depending on your personality, right? Yeah, like, you know, part of spinning in the hamster wheel can be really frustrating because you can internalize it if you're unable to make things pop a certain way or you're not moving at the pace that you feel you should. Yes. But then uh, on the other hand, the beautiful thing about it is if you have the energy and you have the will and you have the gumption, then go flourish. Make yes. things happen. Shock everyone. Yes. Love that. So one of the reasons that I was really excited to talk to you is that Alex and I are actually doing something special the last quarter of the year. And so we're doing something called uh, the Body Chronicles. And so we, you know, we're estheticians and generally we talk about beauty as a whole, but we were getting a lot of questions from clients about like, but what about the rest of my body? And sort of like the more we explored that topic, the more we began to dig deeper into our mission and our goals. And we realized, well, if we're just going to talk about bodies, like what would it look like if we truly represented everybody that's out there, right? Like if we were truly trying to touch every person, what would it look like? And we realized that, I mean, like fat bodies and trans bodies and, you know, uh, bodies that had babies and older bodies and younger bodies. And so we're ex- we're really exploring this topic throughout the entire season because we realize like this is not a one episode concept by any means. So I'm really excited to talk to you about adorning the body and kind of exploring that topic with exactly what you were saying with democratizing luxury but also just talking about the other ways that we can find beauty in ourselves. Yeah, I love I, I love all the things that you've just said. And we could go as deep as you want to go because I, I similar, and this is going to be my response whenever I speak, I'm going to be like, these are the things that are unfair about this thing and these are the things that are really powerful about these things. And that's kind of how I look at the world. Like there's beauty and then there's the underbelly of it. And, you know, I think that, conscious mature minds can hold all those things together. But I but I would say that when it comes to beauty and where I enter into it, I just feel like as women, femmes, gender expansive peoples, you know, we have long lineages related to ritual, related to beauty, related to showing up in the world the way that we want to and to express ourselves. And it's interesting because sometimes, you know, and I'm sure you all have received this feedback as well. People can look at your work as frivolous. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny. I just I just put out an op-ed in The Independent in the United Kingdom. And all these men were going so hard, like, oh, my God, she's not an intellectual. No wonder she wrote this garbage about black women because, we you know. We just read this she, article. The, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, women of color are the real heroes of the Olympics. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. And I, yes. I basically just said, like, this superhuman narrative, like, maybe we're entering into a new era that doesn't require people to break themselves to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's that. Maybe that's old school. Maybe we don't need that anymore. And these people were, you know, solely men, from what I assume from the names, mm-hmm. were like, no, 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 no. 
And so there seemed to be this like narrative around like, well, we can dismiss what she's saying because she operates in jewelry. Right. Right. And so actually what I want to say is like for me, like one of my favorite things is reading like old tales about seduction um, Mm. and how to seduce. And some of my favorite stories, for example, Cleopatra, right, before she was queen, you know, if you know much about the story of Cleopatra, her whole family, like, they were incestuous, so they slept together, but mm-hmm. also they killed each other, like, because everybody was vying for the throne. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sisters out for sister, brothers out for brother, very, quite, quite scandalous, right? That's crazy, mm-hmm. right? And so she's, she's young. She's maybe a teenager, right? Um, and she sees her brother and her sister, and she knows that that's the competition. Wow. And so... As the sort of mythology around her goes, or the the if we're to believe the biographers, she had heard about this like really impressive burgeoning soldier called Julius Caesar. And she was like, that's it. That's the man who's going to help secure me the throne because mm-hmm. I need an army at my beck and call. And so she basically like sneaks out of the palace gets herself wrapped up in a blanket. So one of those, you know, imagine like those old heavy sort of like blankets mm-hmm. and and gets shipped to him. So like nobody knows she's left Egypt. Wow. She's hiding out in this blanket. This when she arrives, you know, like she does all this stuff. And then, and then in this most dramatic way, the blanket is rolled out in front of Julius Caesar and out she comes. And she's wow. just looking so startling and beautiful. And he- Entrance, this bitch right? knew what she wanted. She Thank was like, you. But I, I can't just arrive. He needs to know that I'm that bitch. He needs to have <laughs> she you know, the presentation. Listen, she did not say, send me an Uber Black. Right. She was like, I'm coming in the rug. I'm coming in the chopper. I'm in the rug. And, said, and, and comes over looking just beautiful and is like, Julius, baby, help me kill my brother and sister so I can secure the throne. And he said, I got you hundred bet. Let's roll. Yeah. And they, also, he knew she was a bad bitch because she's like, I got to get rid of my brother and my sister. He's like, dang, that's cold hearted, but that's a ride or die. <laughs> that's a ride or die. And they did, and he did. He called his army, and they went, and he helped her secure the throne. Wow. So I love learning or reading about stories about seduction, but also about power, and also about the way adornment. Coming back to this, right? Mm-hmm. That. We use it as a tool. And to me, that is the beauty and the power of, you know, the conversations we can have today. Mm -hmm. The underbelly is when we think it's our only tool, right? So we internalize Mm -hmm. ideas about our beauty, that our body is not good enough, that Mm -hmm. are, you know, if we don't have the flashy, luxurious thing, then we're not fly enough. Mm -hmm. We can't match the images we see on Instagram. That's the underbelly of it. Mm -hmm. But when we recognize it as a tool, And just one of many that we have to access our power, our beauty, our sense of self in this world, then what can't we do, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Wow. What an intro. That (laughs) so much of that I love so much. We've got to break it all down. We've got to break all of that down. Damn. Okay. So wait, we should rewind. you got to tell us about you. Who is this goddess that's speaking the truth right now? (laughs) Who is Miss Melissa? Will you tell us a little bit about your formative years, like where you came from and what your childhood was was like? Yeah. So I had a very weird childhood. It was very bizarre. I always begin with my mom's story. And she's so funny. Whenever I mention her, she's like, you got to stop talking about me. And I'm like, but I come from you. I come from you. This is <laughs> you your mom. Me. 
Yeah, you are me and I am you. But my mom, if you know anything, I'm East African, I'm Ugandan. Mm. Um, and if you know anything about sort of African politics, Idi Amin was one of the sort of, he's one of the most famous sort of dictators that came out of Africa and specifically Uganda. The Last King of Scotland, the movie, is also about him. Mm-hmm. And so my mom fled during that time. She was a political asylum and she landed in London. And London was, and I say all this because it's, I think it's important for us to track our sort of lineage and to, to, to talk about where we come from, right? 100%. So for my mom, she always had this sensibility of like, there must be more, right? Which which wasn't like any of her sisters or anything else. Like she she landed in London, cleaned, was a, was a chambermaid, cleaned hotels and bed and breakfasts and that whole stuff. And just really just was part of the immigrant hustle, Mm -hmm. met my dad, had me, and they were just trying. They ended up divorcing when I was about five. And then my mom comes home one day and goes, want to move to the United States? And I was like, sure. She like (laughs) applied to a job. She applied to a job in the classifieds and we move. But we'd continue to move maybe every few years of my life. So I went to maybe 15 different schools. Wow. Um, Yeah, I went to three different high schools. So it was a lot. And we'd move to very different places, right? all white towns, some destitute towns, some more wealthy towns. Like we was this always in America? Through. This was always in the United States? This was always in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So East Coast, West Coast, Massachusetts, Arizona, Oregon, like we were just bouncing all over. And so I say all that because I think that really formed my sensibility in mm-hmm. terms of being able to see the world, recognize, you know, that, hey, maybe the narratives I've been given, I can kind of change them. I can, mm. I can adopt how I want to, you know, coming into this idea of beauty and adornment. Yes. I, can, I can sort of shapeshift who I want to be to fit what I need. Can I ask you a question about, um, so yeah. I think as American Black people, we have a very big disconnect with uh, European Black people, with like specifically yeah. British Black people. And sure. so I think... Whenever I learn things about the way that we look at each other, it's always very interesting to me because I think that here we always think like, oh, a black person with a British accent, they are looked at a little bit more, you know, posh. Like they're not, I don't know, like, you know, like more upper class, I guess the word is. And I remember hearing this podcast from this black British girl and she was saying, you know, when I was a kid, I think her mother was African. And she said, when I was a kid, I was embarrassed of my mom being African. And so I would say that I was American. I was just like, oh, yeah, my family's from America. And to me, I just thought, like, how interesting it is that that's better to her. Like, that is, like, cooler. Whereas to me, like, we're on this side looking at, you know, like I just said, British African people, like, with these, you know, fancy accents and this whole other culture. And so for you to come as, like, a black British person to America, did you feel that any one way or another about it? Or did you not think about it much? I had many experiences coming here and recognizing like race is real here. I don't think, at least where I was raised in London, everybody was sort of an immigrant. Everybody, you know, like everybody's parents had an accent. Everybody, you know, like my friend Raj smelled like curry. So you can't make fun of me because I can make fun of you too. Like we can't, you know, we all, you know, we're all sort of in this pot together. But I think that makes light of something that's a lot deeper in what you've said. There are very real differences between different diasporic black people, Mm -hmm. but partly, you know, this is all, this is all a cause of like 
we weren't necessarily supposed to be in these lands anyway, right? Like right. There, there was there was a big kidnap and there was right. like a slave trade <laughs> and there were all these things. And here we are so many centuries later, really dealing with the intergenerational impact of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that schisms and differences will always happen if you are a second-class citizen in your own country then you're going to look and say, hmm, how are those people over there being treated? And there's always a sense of, are we the same? Are we different? We're still trying to figure ourselves out. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, my background, I worked in Hollywood. For sure, there is a definite sort of relationship between Black British actors and actresses being able to come over and get jobs that Black American actors and actresses who have been struggling for you know quite a while in the industry, they don't get. Mm -hmm. There is that narrative. But when you go to the UK and you see where, you know, Black British people living, it's still in welfare housing. Mm -hmm. Um, We're still dealing with, you know, the lowest sort of totem pole in terms of, you know, class and race. I think that the United States, there's a bit more, if you're able to access it, it's very hard, but there's a bit more upward mobility available to you if you live in the United States. Mm -hmm. Britain is very aristocratic, It's Mm. very old school. It's very, you know, one doesn't just wake up and try to become an entrepreneur. But Mm. you can try that here. The odds are still stacked against you, but you can try that here, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But this is sociological. This is anthropological. And it's political. Like Totally. And I asked you such a broad question. like Right. (laughs) A hugely broad swathing question. And you gave me... It's such a beautiful answer, so I apologize for putting, like, the entire weight of a, per- of a people, an entire African diaspora, on your shoulders. <laughs> Tell us about the difference between the two. You handled that great. No, honestly, and it's very, it's, it's very, very interesting because this is a conversation I'm sure you and I both know, maybe not all of our listeners know, but it is a conversation that happens within the black community. Is like, so why do British black actors come over and they're looked at in a certain way and by, uh, American black actors aren't looked at in the same way? So it's very, very interesting. Interesting, and I appreciate you taking us down on, on that little journey. And, and I learned uh, something new. Yeah, for sure. So, for you, moving from place to place in your childhood, how did you handle that? Were you down for the adventure? Were you like wanting stability? Like, how did you feel about constantly moving? Yeah, I think as a kid, I didn't know what was happening. It was normal. It was when I became an adult and you know, you're you're making friends with other people and learning about their stories. And you're like, oh, we had quite different childhood stories. But I think the way that I internalized it was I saw life as a big, grand adventure and mm. I wanted to see all the things. And so I think that that's one of the biggest gifts that, you know, at least that gave me. I was, I was very introverted. I read a lot because we'd moved so much. Sometimes some places were more friendly, some places were not. And so I just learned to read, you mm. know, when we were in places that weren't the most friendly. And so I would read like all these like adventure stories. And I, I tell my little cousins this all the time because I'm like, do you really want to be like Sleeping Beauty or Snow White who's just lying there yeah. and you're bored? Yeah. <laughs> and then the night comes and kisses you and like you don't even get freedom. Then you got to go with the night. Is that really the oh life? Oh my God. You want? I love or- this. You're like watching Disney movies, just like girls. Look, come on. Fuck this. Come on. They're like, like Auntie, move. Yeah. You're like, no, no, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, 
oh, you just, so you just want to lie on a bed for 20 years. Okay, girl. All yeah. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to ride the horse and fight some gargoyles. So yes. for, I, I think that's very much indicative of like my path and the path I've taken. You know, before I moved to Hollywood, I worked as a freelance journalist and I traveled the world. I would be in China. I was in Africa. I was in South America. And that was really just like, you know, we don't have many tropes of the carefree black girl, but that was very much me. So. I love it. Yes. Yeah. As close as we can get to that as possible, please more of it right yeah yeah so when you were a journalist what were you drawn to writing about I had a radio program and I had a tv show while I was in East Africa and that was a lot of fun Mm. and at the time I'm still pretty political but then I was real radical like on my Angela Davis like people power power to the people stuff yeah so I think the radio show thought they were giving me a nighttime show to talk about love and how (laughs) was we're going to talk about sex and fucking and all the things that could get us shut down. Yes. And that's, and that's what I did. And so like, we'd get letters all the time, you know, because again, this is a very like puritanical, you know, um, this is in Africa. Africa. And I would have like, yeah, I'd have gay men on my show. I'd have sex workers on my show. I'd have, yeah, we got a few letters. But I love it, this. But you're down, you're there yeah. for the people. You're there to shed light on the yeah. you know what's happening in the world. Just like I, I love that because putting myself in your position, like that's so brave of you. And I love that you're giving that voice to so many communities. Well, it's so funny because um, I remember having one episode and one of the guys came in at, you know, he was he was a male sex worker. And my whole thing was, you know, like sometimes you have to frame something so that people don't just take you off air. Mm -hmm. So I framed it as he's Ugandan. He's a sex worker in Uganda. So. This, this, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about, you know, sexual health and we need to talk about the realities of this because it's happening, right? So, you know, he was like, yeah, sure, sure. Like, we'll frame it that way. That's great. But as what happens when you're having a conversation with someone and it's just flowing and you feel comfortable, he's thinking I'm just like hanging out with him at a bar. And so he right. just starts saying off the chart stuff. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I was like, I love this oh, so much. This is it. <laughs> yes. oh, this and also, is how one. good are you at your job that you that this person forgets that they're completely mic'd up, <laughs> right? He made himself feel comfortable, yeah. but I'll take, I'll take the credit. He he made himself very comfortable. Yeah. so good, <laughs> so fucking good. So, yeah. what happened with that story? We got like a fine, and we got you know a bunch of stuff. But that was the episode that sort of made my show one of the top shows on air because so wow. many people tuned in because mm-hmm. no one had heard that before and no one had you know openly heard someone speak like him and and I think my biggest thing is like and 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 listening to someone like what they're saying is valid like I wasn't coming to negate it I wasn't coming to fight it I'm like yeah tell me your experience and tell me what that looks like for you define these terms for us like you know I'm yes. and so I think that was I, I think that's the biggest thing that you know I offered for that interview was just being like tell your story. And yeah, after that we did we did really well and I could have all sorts of shows about, you know, like 
the need for men to go down on women, which again, people would think is frivolous, but I'm like, this is huge. Like, let's yeah. talk about women's pleasure. Let's talk about women's yeah, repression. Totally. Like all of that goes really deep and sexuality is a big part of how we live in the world. So. 100%. It's only frivolous to people who it's never been an issue for, straight right. white guys. It's never right. been an issue for a certain segment of us to speak openly about what their preferences are and what they want mm-hmm. in a partner and what they demand in a partner. And so it is revolutionary to talk from an angle that nobody else has heard of sometimes. And it isn't frivolous. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say when it's been happening literally for 3,000 years in your favor, yep. bro. Bro. And you know what? <laughs> and I would even say that they do have an issue with because here's the thing, right? Like, and this is the way that it impacts all of us, right? Your girlfriend has never come but you've never been with a woman who has orgasmed. Mm-hmm. What does that mean about your sexuality? What does that mean about the depths you've been able to go? Like what, you mm-hmm. come in 10 minutes? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry that you've not experienced profound, deep connection through sexual healing. Like, sorry for you. <sighs> this brings up so many other things real. that I, like, <laughs> you know, because I'm just imagining, you know, like the incels and like, it's just all of these other areas in which men blame women for issues when it's not women's faults that society has has made people think certain things in a way. And now we're a generation of people who aren't afraid to ask for what they want and aren't afraid to stand up for what they want and aren't afraid to get whatever it is in so many ways. And I think also just like the advent mm-hmm. of the internet and having so – who the fuck knows? But just like all, all of these different ways <laughs> that like men are now – they always yeah. have, but especially now I think are – just vocalizing terrible things about women for just wanting to be equal, for just wanting the same things that you have been awarded for so long without even questions. Like, not to again change the subject, but now seeing what's going on in Afghanistan, it's like, my God, like, you know, seeing the Mm -hmm. governor say, like, there's nobody, there's nothing I can do but sit here and wait for the Taliban to come and kill me because I'm a woman that dared to want something in life besides a husband. Right. All these things that we as first world women are awarded, all these protections that so many other women in this, on this planet aren't. And some women in the United States too, right? Yes. There's also the underbelly of, you know, the sex trade here and all of that. And trans people. Trans people, migrant women, or, you know, undocumented women who come in and the things they have to go through. So what I say to that is, and it's something I think a lot about, because I think perspective is so valuable, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it really underlies like why I started my company and the ways in which I think that we can think through our lives and ourselves, because we live in such an extraordinary moment. In the past, there have been matrilineal societies, Mm -hmm. there have been, you know, woman-centered goddess societies. But what is different from, like, history to today is that we've never had on scale the ability for women of different classes, of different, you know, quote-unquote tribes, different races, to be able to try and actualize I don't know if we actualize, but we can definitely, <laughs> we can definitely try. Yes. We can definitely be on the journey to figure it out. When you say try to actualize, can you go a little yeah. bit deeper? Can you define that a little bit? Yeah. More? We can try to figure out why we're here. Mm-hmm. We can try to be on a journey of figuring out what is our inner calling if there is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. We can try to find purpose mm-hmm. if we have. Or we can make it up 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Can, totally. You know, and then and then try that. And if that works out, wonderful. But if it doesn't, we can do something else. Something that I think is really amazing is we can opt to say, fuck men today. And if in three days you fall head over heels and want to be yes. a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> do you, boo? Yes. Do you, boo? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. It's so that, true. Like, that's agency. That's the ability to choose one's life. And whether those choices are good or bad, they're in your they're yours. Yes. And I think that the ability of walking, no, realizing that, because so much I think of the feminine internalized narrative is that we have to ask for permission or we're waiting for permission. Mm-hmm. But what we forget sometimes, especially if we are in a place where we can move, you know, the way we want to, is that every moment is ours. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say you always have control over your life because there's still external factors, mm-hmm. but it's yours, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to sort of be in co-creation with the universe or God or Igun, whatever, whoever you believe in, mm-hmm. right? You get to co-create your experience of life. That's yes. what I mean by trying to actualize. Yes. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. That's so beautiful. And you're absolutely right. You forget that, or maybe we don't know how short ago it was a time that we yeah. didn't have any of those things. Like one, two generations, like in the 70s, set up a bank account. Yes. Right, Thank God right. for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, that's why I will praise like RBG. Like she changed all of our existences as we know it. Her and the lady who started the birth control pill. Those two women changed generations. They changed all of like the world as we know it. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Like people don't realize, yeah. yeah, to get an apartment to sign, to get anything. If you weren't married, you had to have your fucking father or your brother. Girl, could you imagine? Your this father is, or it, your brother. Yes. To sign a list to get a credit card. Crazy. It wasn't that long ago. It's no, crazy. it was the seventies. So new. It's so new. Yes. So so this is where I say, you know, if someone is listening and struggling with whatever is happening in their own life, take heed of the fact that this is all new, mm-hmm. right? If you're struggling with your dating life, like patriarchy has been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And we're set, setting up and being like, I want somebody to treat me like this and this and this. Literally, like, our evolutionary bodies are like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Men are like, I can't be that way. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, we're like, what? So or just, like, catching up. Or it, yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah. Men, I always say this to women. I'm like, women have changed. Men haven't. Mm-hmm. Like women, like we have gone undergone this entire yeah, like they cultural have a lot more work. They have yeah. a lot more work. And even though they understand it's like little things like who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to cook the food? If we it's, have a child, who's going to cut? Who's going to stay home? And it's one thing to like say, yeah, babe, I'm there with you. But it's another thing to be in the fucking trenches and to be like, wait, what do you you? Okay, I need to do that. OK. All right, this is part of being yeah. a feminist. All right, babe. Like, but yeah. they don't fucking know. It's not natural to them. They don't understand, you know, like the hidden, you know, pink taxes that are just sprinkled all throughout our lives, you know? Right. right. So that's why I say we live in a very interesting, particular moment. Because, mm-hmm. again, coming back to what I said, like I, I speak from both sides of the fence where I say, what a time to be alive If you have the ability to go get your life, go fucking get it. Mm -hmm. And also, what a moment in time where to be conflicted with, you know, feeling the remnants of what, you know, 
the patriarchy has had a hold on, and also to live in a world where a majority of the women are still imbued in this, are still just fighting for bride price or fighting for all these basic necessities to be able to own land, to be able to own your own name. Like mm -hmm. the, those two things are operating together. Like it's not a part, you know, we're mm -hmm. part and parcel of, you know, we're just living on this world together. So it's a lot, but mm -hmm. I, but at least for me, it's what allows me to feel connected. Like it's what allows me to feel like I have a sense of purpose. Perhaps that for me is why I feel actualized. Like when I think about like Obanj, my company, it merges two things, right? It merges one on the one hand, like I love luxury, like hashtag be a boss bitch, all mm -hmm, the things. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I'm still a consumer in this world. And really, what does that mean? Right? What, mm -hmm. what does it mean to care? What does it mean to be compassionate? But you don't want to feel guilty all the time. You don't want to feel, you know, like so you can't heavy. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so heavy. Right. And so it's like that's where business comes in and that's where enterprise comes in. And that's where people making really cool shit and content creators come in because we can do things in different ways. Mm -hmm. That sort of gives you that net positive. Yes. So for us, it's be luxurious. Wear the Hermes. We just don't necessarily always need to buy new. Yes. Right. Yes. So we can still access the beautiful things that we love. We can still try to act. I, I never say actualize because I think it's a journey. It's a process, mm -hmm. but we can try to actualize and we can get our lives and we can do it in a way where we're conscious of others. And that feels good too. Mm -hmm. It really does. You know, it's, I constantly find myself in a really difficult like internal struggle of what it is to be a black woman in America, but also a bougie bitch who likes really nice things and also like <laughs> yeah. a businesswoman and also somebody who has incredible empathy. So yeah. it's very heavy, like you were just saying, to weigh all of those things. And it's like, you know, I've been realizing lately that what it is to live in a first world country is sort of like as animals, humans are at the top of the food chain because we have the ability to self-actualize. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to think. We just have consciousness, right? And so I think that being a first world person, especially being a first world woman, is so much like that. Like we're able to have this consciousness that other people aren't even able to do. And the fact that like we can sit as three women and have these conversations and talk about things that, yes, affect us, but don't really necessarily directly affect us. I think it's kind of like akin to having, I mean, it is having unconscious, but it's like, it's the same difference. I don't know. Yeah. And one of the things that I loved about your company was one of the reasons that I love shopping at The Real Real. Like I try very, very hard not to often buy new. I usually go to The Real Real because a bitch likes nice things and a bitch ain't rich. So <laughs> I will gladly wear some other rich bitches secondhand things <laughs> for $20. Uh. And so I love finding different companies that are like what you're doing that are allowing us to hold these multitudes, that are allowing us to be at odds with these different wants within, you know, that's what it means to be, I guess, a 21st century woman. Well, one, it's great for the environment. Two is I can't afford the shit at wholesale. At the whole, I wish at wholesale price, at retail price, girl. I can't afford it. <laughs> so it gives affordability. I love it. I absolutely love it. Baddies, imagine a bra you actually want to wear. You probably can't think of one unless you already own Honeylove. Today's sponsor, Honeylove, has revolutionized the bra game. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. 
Honeylips bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Plus, they're made with fabric that's so soft it feels like second skin. This is so true. As soon as I got my Honey Love and put it on, it feels incredible. It's super soft, and I really haven't wanted to take it off. Their bestseller crossover bra, which is what I'm wearing right now, is so comfortable and it's sure to be your new go-to. It gives all the support of traditional bras without any underwires, like I just said, and it has this really cute little mesh detailing, which makes me feel super sexy. And honestly, I don't even want to take this off because it's so comfortable and I sleep in it half the time. But it doesn't stop there. Honey Love has more than just bras. They have incredibly comfortable shapewear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. And that's so true. I'm wearing my shapewear right now, and today's my day off. I'm really just lounging around the house. But even when I just throw on like a cute little sweatsuit and run to the bodega, I want to have like a little snatched waist, you know? And it's not even just for wearing around the house. You can wear this under like all of your undergarments. You can wear this for special occasions. And it honestly is super soft and super comfortable. So treat your yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash true beauty. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash true beauty. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please do me a favor and tell them that our show sent you. And y'all look, treat yourself, treat your girls, treat your mama to honey love because you deserve it and save 20% off while you're doing it at honeylove.com slash true beauty. I want to ask you a question and I want to unpack where you say being, you know, an African-American woman and then being a bougie bitch, Mm -hmm. right? That there feels a segmentation or fragmentation there. Can we unpack that? Because I think that's really deep. Yeah. And I think that it's something that we don't speak about in terms of Black women feeling like, are we allowed to enjoy life? Are we allowed to feel like, we, you know, we could be bougie bitches? Yes. And in my experience of talking to lots of Black women, women, there is sometimes a shame or at least a having to fight for one sense of like, I want the nice things in life. So I'd love to unpack that and hear more about your experience with that and where that tension lies within you. For sure. I think that it's, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. I think especially now that I'm on a podcast and in business with a white woman who sees things happening to the two of us now because now she's involved with a black woman, right? So she'll see the microaggressions that are happening that she's never seen before. Do you know what I mean? Because now we're one. Like, so once, you know, when we went to open a bank account, we opened a bank account with this um, Hispanic guy. He's great, whatever, whatever. And then this sort of Eastern European woman came over who's his boss and was just very like, so what's your business? What are you guys doing? She was asking questions that she probably normally does ask people opening business accounts, but in a very accusatory way. Yes, yes. Just her facial expressions yeah. alone, I was like, what the fuck is going on so, here? Yeah, to the point we left and right. Alex looked at me and was like, was that just some racist bullshit <laughs> we right. just encountered? And right. so, so... It definitely but, was. It definitely was. It definitely, I've never had anyone talk to me in that way. Right? Especially very especially strange. a couple girls walking in knowing, yes, we got a check we got a check from Stitcher, bitch. That's what I'm depositing <laughs> today. You know what I right. mean? Like, so... 
in that sense, I've been thinking a lot about respectability politics lately and what that means and just the way the different ways in which we have been not everybody, but me specifically, I'll speak for myself, has been taught to move in the world in which you're viewed as respectable to the outside, right? And I think that part of that for sure is dressing and is in looking, you know, my mom always said, like, never leave the house without looking your best because you never know who you're going to run into. And yes, part of that, like recently, I was so fucking happy that I thought about that moment before I left the house and went back in and changed. But most of that more so is about respectability politics, right? It's about like, as black women, we have to look a certain way so that we can be respected by, you know, the general public or what have you. With that being said, I should say, you know, my background is in fashion. I went to Parsons School of Design for my undergrad. I studied fashion studies. Like I've just always loved fashion. I've always loved clothing and I've always loved luxury because I also studied luxury. And so part of me wonders, like, what's the separation between just loving fashion and loving like the transformational nature and the respectability politics about it, about not being able to just walk out looking like whatever, like constantly. And even if I do go out walk looking like whatever, I'm aware of it, you know? Mm. And so like those things. And so I think that that is what I grapple with the most is kind of just like coming to terms with those things. And then again, girl, like I can't afford the things that I want. Like I certainly <laughs> cannot afford the things that I want, which is why I figure out other ways around getting them new and figure out ways that we can have these things and not pay full price or what have you. But then once I have those things, of course, I think like, do I feel this way because this is truly a beautiful object or do I feel this way because I know who made this object? And I think it's a little bit of both. And I don't wear, you know, monogrammed anything because I never, because of that reason, I think, because I don't want, I never want that to be an issue. Do you know what I mean? Like if I wear something that's beautiful and I know what the label is, then I don't have to worry about if it's respectability politics or even if it's me trying to make up for what I quote unquote think is lacking based on what I'm wearing and what that person thinks of me, which is a lot of like, do you know, the peacocking, I think, of fashion. But I also think that that's the peacocking of fashion who do it more to show off than it is for like the love of the objects, which I love. I love well-made things. I love it. I love the way it makes me feel. I love the way that it looks. I love the way it can change your posture. Like I love well-made objects. So for me, it's never about the monogram. It's like, yeah, but how does it fit? Yeah, but can I have it for Mm -hmm. 20 years? Yeah, but can I give it to my daughter? Is that what I'm paying for? And so I know that within Black culture, that isn't necessarily the truth for everybody, especially when you look at like hip hop culture and things like that. And so that's, you know, it's that's where I grapple with everything is like, where do I fit on the spectrum of Luxury, respectability, loving things for actually loving them. Girl, I'm just too, I'm thinking too much about it. It's just, this is what I'm talking about. It's just, I'm thinking too much about it. And at this point, this is usually when I say, and that's why they never wanted us to learn how to read. Yeah. Because it's too, it's too funny. That's hilarious. That is so hilarious. <laughs> because, because while you were talking, I thought, yeah, like we could unpack all of that. But my question is pr- probably beyond unpacking that because everything you've said is valid to your experience Mm -hmm. and to the world you live in and the way you move in the world. And my question would be like, what would it take to heal that? Like, what would it take for you to just like see something, wear it and enjoy it and not have to have that internal loop around how you're appearing in the world? Because to me, the eradication, you know, as we talk about trying to actualize, like when I think of like, being free or trying to be free again these are just processes like I don't know anyone that's quote-unquote free Mm -hmm. but like 
regardless of race, gender, blah, 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 blah. Like we're all just on a path of trying to figure out what it means to move as a person, you know, in alignment. But for you specifically, what would freeing up that mental space do for you? Like, because even if we think about the emotional imprint of some of the things you've just discussed, like if we were to parse it all down, there's elements of shame in there. Mm -hmm. There's elements of wanting to be subversive, but then also wanting to be respectable. Mm -hmm. There's elements of feeling that internalized sense of, will people like me if I don't appear this way? Mm -hmm. There's an internalized sense of, is this person only liking me because I I feel this way? And that's a lot of stuff to just be carrying in that body of yours that has other things to do because you are working to become that boss bitch who has the financial resources to buy the things you want to buy. And so, you know, I would sort of hold space for you to explore beyond this conversation. What would it look like to let that go? Because you're carrying stuff that you don't need to carry. Girl. I don't even know what that would feel like. shit. Honestly, I have no... And so it's so funny that when you're speaking that, I was thinking about... Did you see the Summer of Soul documentary that just came out? No, I haven't. Should I see it? You should definitely watch it. It's incredible. But part of it, Nina Simone... Or somebody asked her, what does it feel like to be free? And she was saying, like, freedom feels like you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to think Mm -hmm. about... No fear, no fear. fear. That's what it was. And Mm. I have no idea what that feels like, because even just as a woman walking through the world, let alone let's like let let's strip down my race. Right. And let's just say as a woman walking through the world, as a woman walking through the world, it's all through the eyes of the male gaze. In New York City, anyway. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. And every day I leave the house, I think, is this going to draw too much attention to me? Is somebody going to look at this? Is somebody going to comment mm-hmm. on this? Is this going to get me possibly raped, you know, like at the most extreme? Mm-hmm. You know, there's times that I get dressed in the morning and my boyfriend will be like, that's what you're going to wear for the ladies? And I'm like, this is when I can wear this is for the ladies. You know what I'm talking about? Like the leather yeah. shorts and the thigh-high boots and the bodysuit. You know what I right? mean? Right, you can feel safe. I can feel safe. And, that's, and then he goes... So the ladies are going to like that? I'm like, the bitches are going to love it. Like, the ladies are going to go crazy because they understand also. They'll also appreciate this is it for when the I can fashion. Yes. And not for, you know, the skeins and all of that. But, girl, to answer your question, I have no idea what that would feel like. Because besides just being a black woman, I'm a woman. And at right. the end of the day, I don't know what it's like to not be a black woman. But more so, I don't know what it's like to not be a woman. I want to rephrase that. Okay. I want to say, right now, your experience is that you don't know what it means to be a woman who sees herself for herself first. I don't know what it's like to be a woman that's able to represent on the outside physically in my dress 100% any day of the week how I'm feeling while feeling safe leaving the house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I look bomb all the time. Like me looking in the mirror, I'm like, girl, you're fucking killing it. Like and and that's I've I've worked very hard to get this mindset. So it's not I need to work on loving myself in different ways. (laughs) Yeah. But in terms of like what you're asking, it's not it certainly isn't about me. Because like I said, I love like I get dressed because I fucking love it, dude. I will turn my entire mind around with an outfit like it's a hundred percent for me occasionally it's for my man occasionally it's for the ladies but it's 99 percent for me and where the fear comes in is how the outside world will react to that for safety honestly more than anything 
Yeah. And can you get the things you want to access? And can I and get, can the, get the, the yes, girl? Yes. A hundred percent. Because that's the other part, right? Like you were saying is power is right. accumulating power and commanding respect with that power, which as a black businesswoman, it takes a lot of finagling and thinking back to what you're saying, like how much mental space would you have if you didn't have to think about that girl a lot? I have the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> it get, it's, it's just a different energy level God. that people will receive. Yeah, I think of my husband and he's not even tall. He's good looking, but he's only like 5'9". Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but he has confidence and... I'm trying to think of things that he said to me where he's like, yeah, just go in and say that. And I'm like, wait, yes. you would do that? Exactly. And it would work? Yes. But yeah, it would. He said yeah. it because it would. Yes, because he's done it before and it's worked out just fine. Yeah. But do yeah. you know what? Can I tell you, I, I hear all the things you're saying and it's very much my experience as well, of course. And it's funny because, so something that I do, it's like a little exercise. I do it myself and like my close girlfriends, like we we call it like playing with power, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason I love reading all these stories about like powerful women, you know, throughout history, whether it be warriors or princesses or just witches or maidens or, you know, healer, whatever it is, because it's just, it gives you a different model of I'd love to hear some, of these, some titles of some of these books. If you have any to recommend. <laughs> yeah. Let's shout awesome. out some fucking books. <laughs> yeah. I want to read these badass bitches <laughs> too. You can also listen to my podcast where I talk to a lot of these modern day women. Oh, they're, pretty, yes. they're pretty phenomenal, but to speak to this, I say like one thing that can feel very trapping is if you feel like who you are is your only self. And I know this is going to get a little psychological and a little twilight zone, but what the gift of my childhood gave me was that I could try on different hats. Mm -hmm. Not to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt for a sec. When you talked about your childhood, the first thing I thought was she's a very adaptable human. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I And I think like that's a gift that I've been given. And so it's not naturally who I am. It was the circumstances that allowed me to become that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important because sometimes we attach to the self as like, this is who I am, but we can actually become many things. And so when you play with power, you can try different things and see the reaction to it. So the other day I had a vendor who didn't give me what I wanted. Now, old Melissa would have been like, oh, no, like, like, and just sort of like, you know, done. When I tell you the messages he got from me, I said, bro, I will take it to the court with you because I'm not here to play. Like, I don't have time for this shit. Yes. Right. Yes. He tried to bolster a little bit and be like, oh, I'm going to send you like, I'm going to send it to my legal team. I said, I'm waiting. I love it. Yes. The next day, the next day. I had everything I'd asked for, plus some. Yes. Okay? Damn. Yes. Yes. But that's not my natural demeanor. Like, my natural demeanor, I'm very gentle. I'm very loving. I want to know what all the, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kumbaya all day. Like, hippie 101. Yes. Right? But don't push me. Exactly. And yeah. I had to access a part of myself, right, mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily feel comfortable, but got me what I wanted yes. in a different way, right? Like, so there's the performative aspect of respectability where Mm -hmm. I show up maybe with a weave or a wig and I do all that and I have high heels. But again, because it's mine, I feel empowered by it. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I want to go off and call someone a mother effer and be like, don't you dare play with me today? That's Mm -hmm. also a tool in my toolbox. But here's the thing. Just try it. It's not, you know, try it in a low stakes environment. Don't try it in the boardroom like where you're. (laughs) Yes. 
No, but I love this because you're 100% true. And as a businesswoman, I've had to learn to have these different tools. And it hasn't been an easy journey, and it's still something that I'm really working on. Like, exactly what you're saying, I said to Alex a couple weeks ago, I was like, how do you stand up for yourself and then not feel bad afterwards? And she's like, you got to work through it in therapy, girl. But it's like, you know, getting these things in your toolbox, you're absolutely right. And being able to hold all of these multitudes and be – the person that you need to be in the moment. I mean, it's a hundred percent for business, like in America anyway, you have to have those different modes. You just have to, because yeah. I mean, there's even and like being overly confident sometimes. I yes. think I'm yeah. not even overly, just like a little confident. Overly. Just like, like get what you want. Com- <laughs> yes. Overly. A little confidence will get you far. I remember dating this guy who, you know, he's CEO of his company. And I remember him just like saying one day, because I was explaining to him something like he, he just didn't have a nuanced look at something. Right. And I'm thinking that, oh, like this is a moment where you need more empathy. And I'm explaining it to him that way. And he looks at me and he go, and he's like, no, 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 no. Like, in a room, people sh- shift to me. I don't shift to them. And in that moment, I realized, wow. like, no, it's not that he doesn't know. He has chosen power as his tool. Yeah. And he enjoys moving in the world in that particular way. And I, th- and I remember being like, and again, power looks a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. it's for us individually to choose what works and what doesn't. The world I want to see is very empathetic. It does rely on a lot of those very feminine traits of, you know, like it's a merger of the masculine and feminine, which we all have in us. Mm-hmm. But that was a moment where I go, oh, hmm, like what would it look like if I, like when I'm in a meeting and I'm talking about black women and people are trying to like talk a little crazy, like why am I talking about black women? And I make them seem like they're the dummy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, you really don't know this is the wave, right? Yes. That's a tool. And you play with it. And sometimes, and again, we still live in a crazy world. We still live in a patriarchal world. But having these tools to play with give us a sense of ownership, right? And again, you're always confronting that safety line. But at least, again, we have agency around it, right? Like, mm-hmm. If one day you're like, I'm wearing thigh high boots, you're wearing the thigh high boots for self. But if you're like, I'm wearing the shorts and like, this is what it is, I'm doing this. But it's yours. It's yours first Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. Yes. So many yeses. Being a woman is fucked up. Well, it's also great. I think that it's It's so great. great. I think that, you know, I remember the first time, like as a young woman, realizing that there's more. That there's something else that can attract a man besides the physical look. And I remember, like, you know, being in college and asking somebody, like, oh, do you think that so-and-so is, like, hot? And he was like, yeah, but not for the reasons that you're thinking. And realizing just, like, kind of exactly what we're saying about playing with power, just there's so many ways as women that we can be alluring and be powerful and use our wiles, I guess. But just, like, use... All of the tools that are in our bucket to get what we need or want yeah, in different times. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's so fucking powerful. That's what everyone's doing. Yeah. Yes. Who can? Yes. Who can? Yes. A hundred percent. I love, okay, can we talk a little bit about your company? Because <laughs> I'm, okay, so I'm obsessed because I have really, really sensitive skin. I can't wear any fake jewelry you know, even aluminum deodorant makes me break out terribly. So, and it's always been this way my whole life. So 
because of that, I can unfortunately and fortunately only have the good shit. But again, I'm not rich. So it makes for buying and being able to play with accessories like really difficult. And actually my partner just the other day, which who has like excellent taste, and it's one of the reasons I love him, was like, you know, honey, before you became an esthetician, like you used to play a lot more with jewelry and like you don't I don't ever see you accessorizing anymore. And I was like, well, are you want to spend this $800 for these gold hoop earrings because that's what it costs? And these time, and uh, he's like, nobody said all that, but, you know, maybe just think about it. So when I was looking through your site, first of all, girl, I put my credit card down immediately. I was like, oh, so this was built for me. This is perfect. <laughs> but I love the concept because the pieces that I do have, like I invest in statement pieces because – you know, if I'm going to wear it, I'm going to wear it. And people always will compliment. Like I can think specifically like pieces that people will always compliment. And it makes such a difference in your outfit and it can level up something that's just like, you know, something plain from uh, American apparel to something that's coming off the runway. So I, I love that you're doing this. It hasn't been done before, which I'm shocked that it hasn't. But I just think it's so special. It's amazing. I'm thinking in my head right now how I wish I knew about your company when, like, I feel like there was, like, a two-year span where I've, I had shit tons of weddings. hmm That would have been so perfect. Yes. And even just now for work, I feel like it would be really nice to just feel, like, put together without having to spend a shit ton of money. hmm And also just for women to like be able to feel like they look nice without having to spend a shit ton of money. Yes. Maybe they have a big, a bunch of job interviews and they want to look great. Maybe they have a new office job, but they're like, fuck, I don't have any money saved to, you know, look nice every day at work. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's genius for so many reasons. It is. And the pieces that I saw on your site are gorgeous. Like they're statement pieces, like pieces that like I had a friend who grew up very wealthy and she had this gorgeous Tiffany's like gold necklace that, you know, her mom left to her when she passed. And like, that's what I saw on your site. I was like, oh, for real? (laughs) Thank you for the compliment. And I love how you said, (laughs) because I don't want to spend a shit ton of money like five times. I'm like, that should be an ad we do. Where it's just like, if you don't want to spend a shit ton of money. No, but it's the truth. Like like, good jewelry. And I guess I say it with such such emphasis because I've never been able to buy costume jewelry. I've never been able to just go and buy like $5 whatever. So like, I know the price of these things. Like I know how... You know, even on Etsy, somebody would be like, I'm oh, the same. It's, I can't ha- wear the cheap stuff. I, yeah. My skin turns green. So I've tried, girl, I've done it, all the jewelry. So, like, that's why I can say it with such emphasis. Like, good jewelry is expensive. Jewelry that you want to yeah. have last forever, that you can wear every day in the shower, have it not tarnish, not turn your skin green. Mm-hmm. It is expensive. Also, maybe you do want some trendy stuff. Exactly. But again, it. Because that's what it all comes lot, from. Maybe, it all comes from these huge houses that then, like, you know, the Forever 21s and, right. and the H&Ms will start to knock off. And so, like, if you want the actual Cartier or the actual, you know, Yves Saint Laurent or Dior, you go to where it's got it. It's a really awesome business model. I'm yes. very into and we it. Do, right now we have monthly memberships, but we are going to be opening up to do one-time rentals. So when you mm. do have the weddings or you just have the events or yes. whatever, Genius. you can just come on. And you don't have to be tied to the monthly membership. But what I'll say is we're very, very, very new. And so, of course, with COVID, we couldn't launch the way that we wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of look at it like where we are is really just in a place where our members get to tell us the kind of brand they want to see, which I think is cool. As, As you can tell, like I have a lot of very like... 
out there ideas. I'm pretty fringe. I'm pretty radical. And so like, you know, the same goes with business. And I, I do think that business can be a place to do some really cool things. And I think that the women we serve should also feel like they are represented uh, in the brand. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also feel as though, so even just like an example of that is we're currently doing a crowdfund campaign. I saw this. It's yes. Genius. And usually with crowdfunds, you know, it's the Indiegogo Kickstarter sort of thing. You donate money and you get a gift, but we're doing equity crowdfunding, which is really new. It's five years old. An equity crowdfund means that you can become an owner of a company with a minimum of $100, which is my whole thing about like we're democratizing luxury, but we can also democratize this whole like mm-hmm. business investment thing. Like mm-hmm. how many women like, OK, even even getting out of the woman conversation, typically in the Silicon Valley model, you need to be an accredited investor, meaning you need to have a net worth of at least one million dollars mm-hmm. to invest in private businesses and startups, right? Mm-hmm. How many people got a million dollars to just be like investing in startups, right? Yes, laying so, around. Exactly. So so we already know that creates a huge division. If you're thinking about building wealth for yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's unless you can like rap like Cardi or like, you know, you can become a ball player, an entertainer, right? It's it's entrepreneurship, it's stocks, mm-hmm. it's investment, right? Like those are the way, ways of building wealth, real estate. So with equity crowdfunding, you're able to invest in a business minimum of $100. You get shares and that, you know, as the business becomes successful, you get dividends in that. And so where our crowdfund is currently open, you can go to our site if you want to check that out, obanj.com. We have a sort of like pop-up awesome. or you can go to our site on WeFunder. It's mm-hmm. W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R dot com slash Obange and check it out. And I encourage all the women, like we've been talking about power a lot this episode. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like feeling like being able to walk around and be like, not, I'm a boss bitch. Like I invest. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. And I'm invested in the company that I got the Louis, you know, from. Yes. And like, but, you know, I look like money, but I'm making money too. Mm. Um, I love this. I saw this on your site. And also for the listeners, you got your undergrad degree at the London School of Economics, right? I got my master's at the your London ma- School of okay. Economics. Okay, oh, so. She's like, bitch, I got my master's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get it right, first of all. First of all, read the bio correctly. No, but you're a woman who knows in terms of economics, in terms of money, in terms of finance, in terms of looking at the market, you're somebody who is very well versed. And so you're not just like me and Alex. We're like, guys, you've got a fund. Wait, what is it? It's like you're somebody who... No, we, we are the same. We are totally the same. We're just women who are trying to make it. Like, yes. No, no, no. She, she's no, got a degree, though. To make it. Yes, but you've got a degree, and that makes me feel... I trust you, I trust you exactly. <laughs> I know that, like... Well, one is I've heard of this um, crowd investing, crowdfunding, but I'd never seen... Mm-hmm. I've never spoken to somebody who was actually doing it, and so I love that, but I also just think it says a lot about where your brain space is as a business owner and what you want for your stakeholders, but also what you want for, like, the business. I think it makes it yeah. more of just a mission statement and really a great, like a true mission. Yeah. Not just talking about it, be about it. Exactly. Yes. Totally. Like, do you mind just telling us how the business works? Like, from yeah. the back end, and if this is trade secrets, we don't need to tell the listeners. But I'm kind of <laughs> curious, like how 
you've got like these incredible companies to get on board. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really about just having like relationships with suppliers, right? Like our idea. So where we come from, it is the sense of if we're an individual buying these pieces, you're buying, you know, an $800 piece or whatnot. That's really expensive to do by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're able to sort of have these relationships with suppliers is, and we're able to buy sort of in bulk, right? Like it sort of changes how we're able to relate, you know, and have that buying relationship. Mm-hmm. So we're able to purchase from suppliers that have, you know, if we're buying from third parties, like that would be somewhere like the Real Real or Fashion File, you know, so. They have authentication teams, but if we're working with the the shop itself or we're buying from the store itself, then, you know, like there's nothing more authentic than Chanel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, there's, <laughs> there's that on the one hand, but I think for me, I sort of look at us like we are a second closet. So, you know, if you're like, I want options I, and I want options from lots of different places, like that's how you can sort of think of us, you know, mm-hmm. and as we grow and as we expand, you know, we're always bringing on new arrivals. Again, we're small right now. So like we put pieces up and they're rented in seconds. Like it's insane. I bet. And so just trying to keep up with, with the demand, you know, yeah, that's so great. This is so awesome. But I really think that this is an incredible company and you're also an incredible human. You're such, yes. Who knew? Yes. And two is we (laughs) want to, you are the exact type of, you know, entrepreneur, business owner that we want to spotlight on our show. Because at the end of the day, these days, like there's so many businesses, there's so many startups, there's so many people making things and to know who's behind them and to support them, it's important for the business owner, I think, to yes. tell their story and share who they are so that people want to support you and all your Thank endeavors. You. I, I really appreciate it. I've loved talking to you ladies. I, I love how like aware you are and how, you know, just w- walking through the world and doing your thing, like, it's all we can ask of ourselves, right? And yes, it's, totally. it's super great. Thank you for letting me spend some time with you. Absolutely. Oh God, thanks for being Will you on. again tell the people your podcast where yeah. people can sign up for Obange, give them all where they can give you all of their money and any social media <laughs> sites or anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah. So we'll start with the company that's obange.com. O-B-A-N-J.com. And from there, you can get to our WeFunder campaign, which is our crowdfund campaign. But again, you know, you can go to WeFunder.com slash Obange. I highly, highly recommend, even if you don't invest with us, I recommend anyone listening to look into that platform, learn a bit about equity crowdfunding and start investing, ladies. You know, Mm. we all... We, we have one life and get yours, as I say. Part of that is that financial aspect. Mm-hmm. But if you are going to invest, Obond would be a good place to start. Yes. <laughs> like, I highly recommend. Walk around looking rich while you get rich. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that. That is Look so around beautiful. me, Funder, but come back. Come yes, back. I love Man. it. <laughs> Second is my podcast where I talk to some of the world's most audacious, high-achieving women in the world. And so I really am spanning the globe, uh, talking to women in China, refugees in wherever, you know, who have just, my God, these women just have, like, Arlen Hamilton is one example. She's pretty famous. I love famous her. The- I love her yeah, book. Yes, it's about damn time. It's she's about famous time. in the venture capital world. 
Arlen Hamilton built her $10 million venture capital fund while she was homeless. Yes, right? she's fucking um, incredible. I want to get her on this podcast. I'm so glad that you shouted oh, her shit. out because now I'm going to yes. reach out to her again. She's such a badass Love, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So we're talking to women like that all around the world who are really formidable. And again, when I talk about this playing with power, you listen to these women. Some are very sharp. Some are emphatic. Some are passionate. Some are demure, calm, gentle. But you get that element of, you know, they're playing with power. They're getting their lives. And I think that that's the kind of energy we need to be hearing on a daily basis. So you can go ahead and go to the idealistspodcast.com, T-H-E-I-D-E-A-L-I-S-T-S-P-O-D-C-A-T-S.com. I was in the middle of spelling that. Like, what did I get my I'm literally typing this in right now. I'm so excited to listen to these. I was like, what? Listen to the last one I did. That one's on the divine feminine and witches. I speak to oh, yes. Uh, yes. right up my alley. Yes. Yeah. The former oh, chief content nice officer voice. from Goop. I'm very excited to, to listen Ooh. to it all the time. I know, unlike ours. <laughs> Elise Lowen on witches, the divine feminine, and the deep ancestral wound <gasps> woman carry. That yes. sounds so fucking good. So everybody go and subscribe and listen to that. We are definitely doing it. We've already subscribed. Thank you so, so much. This was such a pleasure. It really was. You taught me a lot, too. Thank you. Honestly, yes. Hey, guys. Hey. Hope you enjoyed that episode. What were your takeaways? Everything you guys were talking about, about black British people Mm -hmm. versus black American people. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? I know, there's so many nuances. But it's like when you were telling me about the different types of Judaism. Like when you're like, there's uh, the... Oh, Sephardic Jews. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's just like nuances within communities that if you're outside of it, you don't have any idea that are happening. And why would you? Because... Totally you know, within it, but I love. That's what I love about the show is I just love shining lights on all the ways that we're different but the same. Totally, no that that was really interesting. I really learned a lot there. And this, what is it called? We funding? Yes. So interesting. Yes. So cool. I can't wait to go on there and, and take to see all around. the companies that are on there. And I like that she was like, "Women, go on this. Yes. See what's on there that you would want to invest in. Yes." Not just her company. Like, it seems fucking awesome. It seems awesome. And I'm just love that she's, like, for the democratization of power, which is, like, such an oxymoron. But it's it's definitely my takeaway from this conversation. No, for sure. I really learned a lot. She's so cool. Her fucking radio show. How cool is that? I wish. How do we find that? I know. We need to go deep (laughs) diving into the archives. Exactly. The internet. Now I just know it means that... I need to listen to her podcast because I haven't listened to it. <gasps> yes, I haven't listened to it either. I am so excited for it. And I found out I couldn't hear it because in all of her other articles, it's referring to its old name. So if yes, you, yes. it's called The Idealist. Yes. With an S at the with end. With an S at the end and a period. A period. Um, so go and subscribe to that. We already have. And also definitely check out Obange. I mean, it's $30, I believe, a month for one piece of jewelry at a time. I think it's $50 for two pieces of jewelry. I'm not joking that, like, I'm signing up for this immediately. Y'all are going to see me flaunting on Instagram. It's going to be all blinged out. going to be all blinged out. I cannot wait. I'm really, really excited. I think that this is such a great idea. I'm also excited for when she does, like, one-time – offers one-time rentals. Yes. I'll love that for when I have an event. Yes. I hate – 
when I like have a dress for an event and then I'm like, fuck, what earrings am I going to wear? I and know. I don't want to have to go spend money. And you're like, if I was just Lady Gaga and I could get that Tiffany fucking beautiful pendant that she was wearing at the Oscars, this wouldn't be a problem. Honestly. But it's going to solve a lot of issues. Tiffany's isn't going to just run to you or I, but you know who will? Melissa. It's Melissa. Thanks, girl. She's like, I'm here for all the broke bitches. I'm here for all y'all broke <laughs> bitches that are trying to be something. But also just like, we joke that it's like for broke bitches, but also there's a whole dark side of jewelry making. There's a whole dark side of, you know, uh, blood diamonds and like where do these precious metals come from and all of these things. And there's this entire side of this industry that I completely forgot to touch on and that we don't know anything about. But in, you know, keeping fashion circular and keeping these things going around, it really does make the world a better place because you're not constantly making these things. It's one product that can serve mm-hmm. so many other people, which I love, love, love. No, it's true. And as always, don't forget to follow us on, on Instagram. The at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Also, guys, do you remember at the beginning when I begged for reviews? Well, we're going to beg again. I'm begging again. I'll even stop singing the song if that's what is stopping you from leaving reviews. I'll have it. We won't even sing Ay. anymore. We won't even talk in British accents. Ay. Just leave us a nice review, please. We're going to keep talking the accents. I'll try to not... I can't tell you. I'm not going to sing. I love singing. I'm sorry. But leave us a review. We would absolutely adore it. Tell your mother. So nice. Oh, it would be nice. Oh, I said so. I'm so sorry. I, I know. All right. We're, it's a Madonna song. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. They like our singing. If you're going to leave us a review, you clearly like our singing. We appreciate it. <laughs> Guys, email us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. The gram we already talked about. Rate, review, subscribe. We already talked about. We got some merch. Hey, we got some merch. Hey, it's at exactlyright.com. Hey. That wasn't one of my better songs. It's fine. It was okay. Thanks. We'll just ignore it. All right, guys. We love you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. This has been a COC BK production. Produced by us, Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro. Our engineer is Bart Tripoli. Our theme music composer is Zebra Sonic. Our artwork is by Garrett Ross. Our photos, hair, and makeup are by Sabrina and Joe Holdsworth. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.